0: This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast and find out about events and training in your area.
1: Hello and welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name's Anna Hawkin, I'm your host and also the Ministry Lead for Parenting for Faith. It's wonderful to have you with us. Um, I hope you've had a good week. It's been a little bit odd in this period of national mourning, hasn't it? And we have got a resource on our website. If you go to parentingforfaith.org and type Queen into the search bar, um, just helping you explore some of the different questions and comments that might have come up over this time and uh, you know, pointing you to some other wise people who've thought about these things as well. So do make use of that if it's useful. Um, We have just one more week to sign on to our Parenting for Faith online Zoom course. This is in two four-week blocks starting on the 26th of September. You can come along on your own and we'll pop you in a small group with some people with children or teenagers at a similar age and stage. Or you can sign up as a church or a group, come along as a community. We'll provide all the content uh, and you can just concentrate on getting to know each other and supporting each other and talking about these ideas and exploring more. So we'd love to see you at that. Uh, Again, go onto our website or there's a link in the show notes. And also just to say for any children's youth and family leaders out there, we have a Forge gathering coming up. Now this is for anyone involved in children's youth or family ministry. You don't have to be paid. You don't have to have an official title. Um, And we're gonna be meeting in Stirling in Scotland. Uh, You asked us to go a little bit further north. So we've gone quite a lot further north. Um, but it's really easy to get there it's uh, just 45 minutes from Glasgow or Edinburgh with loads of quick trains I live way down south compared to that in Milton Keynes and I can get a fast train in four hours so don't rule it out just because it's too far north Um, but it's really a time where we just gather together and we learn from each other we support each other we take some time to worship and reflect it's really really useful Um, but bookings that will be closing soon so uh, do book on if you would like to do that. But this is episode two of season four and we're continuing our heads up season, uh, looking at what do we want to know? What are the things that scare us or worry us or we want to know more about that we see coming down the track for our children and young people? And something we quite get often get asked about is um, technology and gaming and what we should be letting our children do and what we shouldn't. And we don't know a lot about these things. So we got in contact with Andy Robertson, also known as Geek Dad Gamer. Now Andy is a freelance video game journalist um, and also the author of Taming Gaming. And uh, Iona from our team asked him your questions about how we can get prepared, how we can learn about the world of gaming, um, and how we can engage with our children on that. So over to Iona and Andy.
2: Hi everybody. Um, I am here today uh, with Andy Robertson, um, who is the author of Taming Gaming. Um, And Andy, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Oh, thanks for having me. I'm a I'm a journalist. That's for twenty years, and I've always specialised in video games and families. And so, most recently, it's recently the kind of interface between. gaming in the home and parenting and how those two things sometimes conflict sometimes it's lo- sometimes it's lovely sometimes it's a nightmare and so I'm often helping parents to kind of tease out what's good and what's bad uh, and I have a faith background myself so I'm often talking in church spaces around you know what video games offer um, faith more than just entertainment so we can kind of broaden that, broaden that conversation to like games as media
2: that's fantastic thank you so much for joining us today andy Um, yeah so we'll be chatting a bit about gaming Um, and I guess a good place to start would be if you have any sort of top tips or advice for parents who maybe don't quite understand the world of gaming or yeah they're just not really sure about it um, how can we help them?
0: I think it just comes from experience and I've got I've got three kids myself and so I've kind of been through this they're now I've just taking my daughter to university which is a whole other story (laughs) but it means that you know it changes as you go and so if you get involved with your kids in gaming from from a young age it means you can kind of learn it as you go if you don't engage until they're 12 13 and it's like oh gosh they want to play a game and I'm not sure about it then it's it's a little bit more difficult it's not impossible you just need the right resources so it's that it's kind of not trying to see games as this alien thing that you're trying to minimise Mm-hmm. And really see it as something. Well, most children who like games will probably play games, games for their whole. It will be it's a media that they are going to enjoy, like alongside books and films, and it shouldn't replace those things. But seeing, but seeing it amongst those amongst those other media means that we can do the kind of parenting, caring for kids stuff where we're guiding them to a healthy, healthy relationship, rather than trying to minimise or to limit it, limit it, um, which sometimes you need to do, but it's kind of a short term thing. And that's the sort of that's you know, one tip, but the kind of the through line of most of the stuff I say is that because games are, are a media, there actually are games for all, all ages, all walks of life and all people. And I know that can sound a bit strange. Like, why would I as an adult play, adult play a game? I'm busy. I prefer to read a book or watch the, my Netflix show or whatever it is. Um, but my experience is that games can actually sit alongside those things in, in an adult life. And if, as a parent, you can find those games, then suddenly you're in on the conversation, and it's not you as an outsider. The whole thing opens up, and you can, you know, your kids do questions, you ask them questions, and it becomes this very natural thing. So I think those two ang- angles kind of they often sound a bit peculiar at first, um, but actually they they sort of change the conversation in the home and set you and set you on a much more healthy relationship with games and parenting.
2: Mm, yeah that's really helpful that's and I guess it can also open opportunity open up opportunities to have those conversations with your kids like you said and how might we sort of engage with our kids when they are playing games
0: yes yeah, so there's there's a few ways and again it depends on their age you know when, when children are younger they will at some point gain usually gain an interest in playing some sort of game maybe the, their friends at school are playing Maybe they've watched they've watched some YouTube and one of the, their favourite channels on YouTube is them playing a game and that's quite a common way in. Um, and so kind, of, so kind of taking steps with them in an early stage and saying, okay, well let's play together. So finding some games when they're quite young, maybe even as young as three or four, or where you're into those games together and you talk about them, it's very much a kind of a, a kind of collaborative, fun time. Maybe within obviously it would be short bursts when they're younger. Um, and that means that you can you're setting up this gaming engagement as a normal part of a family family life. And if they if they're older, kids love talking about games. So all you've got to do is ask a ten year old or oh, are you playing, and they're off. And then they'll and if you listen to what they say rather than just kind of zoning out as is. Um, not uh, not um, unreasonable to dig because it's this kind of unusual, unusual it has its own um, and actually like, oh, what, what are you doing in the game? Like, what, what are you playing? What character are you? What are you trying to achieve? Are you getting better? And asking sort of more detailed questions about the texture of what's going on in the mm-hmm. game. Again, it opens up those conversations and kids love, you know, they're, often, they're often quite surprised oh, you know, you want, you want to actually talk about this. I thought you were just checking in and it, is it safe? And it, when you're like get beyond that and have a well, why is it fun or is it fun or you know who who out of your friends is the best at this that kind of stuff and it, it kind of re- really changed that station and mm-hmm. then actually watching them play like asking for permission say oh you know I'd actually I'd quite like to just sit here for half an hour while you play your game do you mind if I watch I if I watch I want to see you. and then you get this kind of opportunity to kind of have this peek into the the world's world which you can't do in other areas. So like in the playground, they have their own play world in the playground and it's off. You can't run around after them watching them play. Um, whereas in a video game you can, and you get to hear them talk to their friends if it's an online game and you all just, you know, chatter to themselves if they're a bit younger and you get that, get that kind of go into a bit of the inner life of your child, which really you don't have access to in another area. So again, it opens up lots of kind of possibilities kind of possibility in terms of parenting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And do you tend to sort of um, play a game maybe before your child plays it? Or do you, like you said, sort of prefer to watch them as they play it to get an understanding of what it is? Or how do you kind of gauge what a game is and understand what your child is playing?
0: It depends how old they are. But I think a bit of research is really warranted. In fact, that's why I wrote the book. Half of the book, the back half, are loads of game suggestions that are recommendations and they're they're presented simple language, double page, colour spreads and it's a bit like a recipe. So on the left it tells you what you're going to get and on the right it tells you what ingredients you need to play this game, how do you get started, some serving suggestions of how families have enjoyed it together. It's one way to kind of to research and discover games that you think might be a good fit for your child because in other areas like if your child is really into reading maybe they only read Harry Potter or Beast Quest or whatever it is, we're really well equipped to say, well, that's great. You know, that's a really good book to be, really good book to be read. Um, But there's there's this book I read when I was your age and I absolutely loved it, like Lord of the Rings or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And we introduce them to to our reading by doing that. But because in the game space, the sorts of games they're playing and sort of games as media is a new thing. we We don't have questions readily to hand. So doing a bit of research to discover new experiences that we think they might like and then if we suggest those to our children and they then discover that actually this was a great suggestion they then will come back and say oh I've finished that game mum dad what should I play next next and that really kind of gold dust moment like kids don't you know you don't hear that in the sort of homes across the country like children coming to parents saying what should I play and it really ch- changes kind of the tone of that conversation away from The constant desire to play older rated games and and actually having a station with you and your child so that you can again you do the sort of guiding work to to help them discover. It does need a bit of research. And and, and obviously you can do that by reading. You could look at the game on YouTube, but the age ratings are really useful. The the Peggy ratings, which is how old, how old in the game is appropriate for. And that would be three or seven. And those ratings are green because they're kind of advisory. Peggy 12 is when it's getting up, that's, that's a legally enforced rating, so a shop wouldn't be allowed to sell a game to an under-12-year-old if it had a Peggy 12 rating on it. If that was rated for violence, it will be a game like Fortnite, where you shoot somebody, it's kind of fantastical, so they're not really looking like they've got hurt, but they do fall down when they're kind of, like, dead, in, in quotes, but then they disappear. So there's, so there's some violence, but it's not really not realistic. Um, if you go into Peggy 16... Then the person the character in the game, if you're if you're attacking a human character, they will they will pain and there'll be a little bit of blood. And when they fall down, they'll stay in the arena. Um, and then we can go on to Peggy 18, and, and you might want to edit this out later if you want to. I'll let I'll let you decide. But uh, Peggy 18 um, would be you, you can kill a character in the game in the game, which is very realistic, and you could do things, things like mute their body after they're dead. And that's that's the range of violence. But that's really that's really helpful for for parents just from a factual perspective, saying, OK, if it's a Peggy 12, I know the sorts of things that will be in it. If it's a Peggy 18, like maybe a 16 year old could cope with that. And some parents will decide that's fine, but they need to do that from an informed perspective, know what the decision is they're making rather than just being like, oh, it's fine. They'll be fine, you know. You know they're pretty good with this kind of thing. A thing actually thinking, well, where are they playing it? How will they cope? And those kind of those kind of considerations. So, I find doing a bit doing a bit doing a bit of homework. but easier than it than it kind of sounds, and actually it's, it's quite enjoyable when you get a really good understanding of what's in these games.
2: Yeah, that's so helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, and how could we maybe sort of bring faith conversations into gaming?
0: Well, I think one of the areas here is because games kind of do cover all aspects of life. So there are games, um, where a faith story is kind of integral in that experience. There's a game that's actually for kind of older teenagers or adults called That Dragon Cancer. That's about a, a cancer story. Um, and the, the, the family in the game are evangelical Christians. And so they're praying for healing. And there's a there's a story of Jesus crossing um, the lake in the boat and being asleep. And that's kind of an integral part of the game. And those things cross crop up games were about kind of normal life and everyday people. And so th- there are those kind of things in them. But I think in a more general, more general because of the way games invite us into spaces, they kind of act a little bit like cathedrals um, in that they kind of cre- create this unusual space for us to step out of kind of everyday life. And then we come into those spaces and we're invited to behave, behave in a way. And that's not really, from being told to do things it's more because of the way the place sounds or the way it looks or the kind of the stained glass windows or so in, in a similar way to stepping into a cathedral we'll we'll kind of walk, walk more slowly and we'll probably lower our tone and our thoughts will turn to meditation and and god and you know creation and the things that we're seeing and the bible stories we're seeing in the stained glass windows Game game out, but obviously in a whole range of different ways. That can be a, a game that invites you to step into being a soldier, and that's the one we quickly think about. And obviously the excitement there is that a child's getting to act like an adult in a kind of extreme situation. But just, just as likely, just as commonly, that you, you could, for example, be invited to step into the sea as a scuba diver and explore the oceans, discussions, discussion, going on a journey of kind of self-discovery about your own identity. Um, you could you know you could pull out lots of examples so because of that I think games as a media have a potential to be spaces where we encounter God like any kind kind of building as we go into them if we go into them with the expectation that we might discover something about ourselves about the world or about God often I think we're met in those spaces because of those expectations and some of my some of the kind of most kind of lovely spirit spiritual time I've had and it's become part of my kind of regular pattern is in playing some games that I've chosen because either they're meditative or they, they connect with connect with a thing I'm going through um but seeing that seeing that capacity in them I think is is better than sort of saying well we can you can use the game metaphor like in the game you had to struggle and then you went then you got through it oh and in our faith, faith life we ought to struggle when we have to get to God or whatever you know and you can do that, but it's a bit like kind of proof texting, like we'll show a bit of Lord of the Rings or Star Wars in the sermon and then we'll make a point and a point and kind of know you're crowbarring stuff in. But if you come at it with this holistic approach and after we've you've played a game, the game I was talking about, the undersea game is called Abzu, then afterwards it's very natural to have a conversation about, well, how did it feel to be in the water? Um, you know, was it was it quite negative? Who do you think made these things? And, you know, what was this story? Where are we going? Who do you think we are? And how does that make you feel now you stop? Now you stop. you quite easily into a space where kind of faith conversations and sort of faith perspective is very appropriate.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. And um, I know we touched a bit earlier about sort of violent games and things like that. And if we decide that maybe that's not something that we want our child to engage with, how would you recommend sort of explaining that or having good conversations around that to a to a child or a teenager?
0: I think us as parents, we know we know, our, you know best. And it's completely fine for a, a, an, an any parent or guardian to make the right de- right decisions. Child, and I guess it's worth saying, I'm not here to try and encourage people to play games, as I say in the book. I, I, I'm I'm not wanting people to change how they're parenting their family. I'm just wanting them to do that parenting in, in an informed way. So if they are more cautious about technology and playing games, I want to do that in a way so they can understand the implications and to sort of do that um, healthily. Um, and many people that I work with, I work with, I work with, um, don't go away and start playing lots of games and many, it's actually often the opposite direction. Um, so uh, but in t- so what, when you've got that approach, it's, there's an integrity to it because you're not just trying to win the win the argument game so maybe your child loves games and you don't and the danger is you can say look you're not playing these games because they all violent and that's kind of the adult using violence to win, win an argument over the child because they just don't like the games if, if we're doing that, along with that, we should say, but there are these other amazing games that aren't very violent that I think you would really love. Like maybe you'll get maybe violent games when you're old enough and mature enough to, to understand. But let's start with these really amazing experiences now um, because, you know, we've you know, we, appeared and that's absolutely fine. And I think in this conversation about violence, particularly in a faith setting for a Christian, it's really help, helpful to know that we're kind of experts at this that in in how to handle violence we have this what i think i think it would say is a sort of problematically violent text the thing there are things in it which are difficult in terms of genocide and regime change and mostly in the old testament but not exclusively and we're good at not letting that violence um eclipse what's beautiful about this precious sacred text that we have and so in the same way we come to games with that skill of knowing that violence is problematic and shouldn't just be accepted, but also it doesn't always eclipse what's good in something. And so you could have a game that did have some, have some violent end, but actually was a really precious game for some reason as well. And so I think coming to that as Christians, we're actually really well equipped to kind of, to kind of you know, what is appropriate and what isn't, because we're not just going to have this kind of gut reaction to There's something particular here that's unsettling. Mm.
2: Yeah, that's great. And I guess in a sort of similar way, do you think that approach would be um, similar to if our child maybe had a friend who was playing those games that we didn't maybe want them to play? Because we know that a lot of kids want what their friends have um, and sort of tackling that and that approach of how we can make sure that they don't get involved in that, even if their friends are and making Gosh. sure that they're yeah separate from that.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. And I think there's a contract, isn't there, between us and other parents and friends of friends. You know, and that's what we, yes. we model that ourselves. If we have kids over, even if they're going to watch something that's, you know, is older than them, but maybe not much, maybe not much in terms of a game or a film, we would we would say, let's just check in to make sure that that's OK. And then, then it's kind of everyone's on the same page and there's um, kind of no surprises. Um, yeah, and I think that means that the, I guess the point here is, there's a broader point as well that I think is important to make, that um, sort of deciding that your ch- child isn't going to be a particular game is a, ch- a completely appropriate choice for your family, but that game is kind of the centre of a whole world of kind of community and play and meaning that they're going to inhabit with the other children that do play the game. So that's something that as parents, we need to figure out how to negotiate. Like they will be, if they don't play Roblox, for instance, as a younger child, in the playground, they will probably be acting out Roblox games in how they play. And they will be, and the, any of those popular games that are bubbling up on that system will, will be part of what they talk about with their friends. And so there's some important sort of detailed work to do in terms of our parenting. Cause it's like, well, if they don't have that, don't have that, then they're in some ways a little bit excluded from those conversations and from some of that play um, but equally even if they don't have it they can still exp- they can still express and enjoy those kind of you know play times in the playground so kind of being up front with kids about that about that and so maybe you don't want to play it but let's have a look at what it's like so that we all know and so so you're not it's not this kind of forbidden hidden thing but if you look at it you're going to be damaged um, but actually we just think there's better things to do um, and so Whatever it is that you know, parents will come up with creative ways, creative ways to do this. Understanding that ga- it's not just the game itself; it's this whole ecosystem that goes around it. Um, and lots of that that kind of wider world is very, is very positive in terms of play and reading and writing. And kids will draw pictures and all sorts of stuff. Um, that the game's just this little pinpoint in the middle. And so and so, in the game is kind of it's not going to close down that whole kind of experience of the child of that particular topic.
2: Yeah, oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Andy. That was such a helpful conversation. Um, and where can we find your content and resources um, if you want to find out more?
0: Yeah, so there's the book we mentioned, Taming Gaming, um, which you can get in any good bookstore. <laughs> I think it seems to be usually on sale on Amazon. so That's a good place. Um, and but I also to go with the book, there's a web, there's a website, taminggaming.com. Um, and the website's free and it, it provides a single page for every game. It's, there's a couple of thousand pages on there now because we kind of have just researched lots of games. And it's a really simple way to find out the, the lowdown on the game your child wants to play. Play If that was something older rated like Call of Duty, it would tell you, here's the experience. Here's a little clip of what it looks like when you shoot someone. Here's the here's the way much it costs. So within a couple of minutes, you can become quite proficient. But the nice thing is at the bottom of every page if quite understandably you're not old enough for this yet you're only 12 or whatever that we then list probably 20 or so alternative games to the one you're looking at ordered age rating so you can rather than just saying no you can say well you're not old enough for this but why don't you try splatoon or skies of fury or whatever the game is the game is and they're all really good suggestions so you suggesting it is not only appropriate but we're pretty confident that your child will go and try those things and come back and be like that's great um and that's all free and that's just at taminggaming.com and you can just go there and search so yeah
2: oh great that sounds like such a great resource thank you so much andy really thank appreciate you. your time thank you for joining us
0: that was great
1: and your question to start an interesting conversation this week. Ask your child, do you think there are any games that Jesus wouldn't play? Have a great conversation, see where it goes. We'll be back with another episode next week. Bye.
0: Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you.